what's the greatest sacrifice you have ever made? And what was the outcome of that loving action? God's agape love is such a gift to his children, you and me. It is truly, truly a blessing. Speaking of blessings, L. Angel left this incredible five-star review entitled, What a Blessing, and it says, Enjoyed a great deal. This is something I am working on in this season of my journey. So I feel very blessed to tune in and learn from the gifts God has given you to share with us Kingdom Mamas. I am so happy you are enjoying the podcast. Thank you for extending a few moments to share your sentiments. It blesses my heart so much, but not just me. These reviews help encourage other people and testify to future listeners. And they also position you to be featured in our weekly newsletter and a future episode. So head on over to Apple Podcast, leave your very own review because I would love for you to be our next feature. For today, let's explore how the miraculous is still magnificent. Hey, hey, Mama. Welcome back to the Treasured Mama podcast. I'm Corey Messer, a Kingdom Life coach and messy mompreneur, and I want to know if you're like me. Have you ever felt like you've lost yourself in all the things? Or perhaps you just need some encouragement on this messy journey of authentic motherhood? In this space, we love sharing routines, rhythms, and real stories of real moms as we declutter our heads, our hearts, and our homes to discover clarity and confidence. If you're ready to gain clarity on who God designed you to be, create simple systems for a more peaceful household, and connect with other mamas doing the same, this podcast is right up your alley. My prayer is this episode will encourage you, so grab a drink, take a mommy moment, and listen in to today's goodness. Welcome back to the Treasured Mama podcast. We are continuing to dive in to all things love, specifically the resurrection and the reunion. Coach Corey here, and if you have been with me for the last couple of episodes, you know we have been diving into the love story in the Bible and how love is woven all throughout the scripture. If we go way back into Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we talk about creation and God's initial design. And then we go into Genesis 3, just one chapter thereafter, and we see where sin enters into the discussion That is where the fall happened. We are reminded that even when we are rebellious, even when we are children that are rebelling against our father, his love still stands. And it doesn't matter how rebellious we are. It doesn't matter how much we go against what he says. It doesn't negate or lessen how much he loves us. His love is consistent. It just speaks to his character because then we went into Matthew chapter 2 and we talked about the fulfilled promise. When the time came for the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ was still born. So even though there is rebellion in the story, there is sin, there is the fall because of human nature, God still fulfilled his end of the deal. He fulfills the promise. And then last episode, we talked about how God so loved the world. I encourage you to go back, listen to those episodes. It is our theme for February of this year. But any month, any year that you are listening to this, you will get tremendous value. When we look at 
the resurrection, and the reunion, we are reminded that Jesus gave up his life to purchase ours. You may hear that saying once in a while that says, nothing is for free in this world. Even if you get it for free, someone, somewhere, at some point, had to pay for it. And that is precisely what Jesus did for us. He gave up his life to purchase ours. His life and that sacrifice was the currency that was exchanged for the freedom that we walk in. This means that without his death, we would remain separated from God because of our sin. We would await the eternal punishment that we deserve. In a previous episode, we talked about the wrath of God and how we are all deserving of experiencing that wrath. But because of God sacrificing his son, we do not have to experience what it is we actually deserve. When Jesus died on the cross, we know he did not stay dead. And yet, that was a painful experience. He came to earth as a man. He didn't have to. He chose to. And he chose to walk the same streets human beings have walked to engage in conversations where man may have sinned and made a poor choice and yet Jesus showed us what it was like to always live in a way that is righteous, that is aligned with Heavenly Father. Though Jesus died on the cross, we know he did not stay dead. And just as his crucifixion was necessary to save us, so was his resurrection. If you're not completely familiar with the story of Jesus, three days after he died, he was resurrected. The tomb where he was buried no longer held his earthly body. Can you imagine that? The tomb no longer held his earthly body, but he was raised to life and returned to his heavenly glory where he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Let's really think about that. Can you imagine present day going to a tomb where you knew someone was buried? There's like this gigantic, huge stone there. The fact that that was able to be moved and then the body wasn't there, what would you think? You would think that somebody stole the body and that was precisely what many people thought. And yet we know that his body was resurrected. Let's be sure we don't pass over this portion of the stone and the massive importance of it. The fact that stone was rolled away when the woman chose to visit the tomb provides verifiable evidence. What I mean by this is this provides the evidence this was a miraculous event. The resurrection itself is miraculous. We get to remember back in the days of Jesus, tombs were different than modern day graves or mausoleums. Because Jesus was buried in a tomb that was owned by the wealthy Joseph of Arimathea, the tomb was new and able to be sealed with a rolling stone. Mark chapter 15 verse 46 lets us know that. These tombs were commonly made out of rock and sealed with a heavy stone, so the entrance was completely closed. 
clearly a stone that would cover the entire entrance would be so massive, it would require more than one person to move that stone. Joseph of Arimathea didn't push the stone by himself. Rather, he had the assistance of Nicodemus. When you combine the strength of both of those men, they would be able to roll that large circular stone back to close Jesus' place of burial. The women were present when they placed his body in the tomb. The women took note of the spot because they had plans to return after Sabbath to lovingly anoint his body. This means they were incredibly intentional about the location so they could come back and anoint. With that, they questioned how they would roll back that super heavy stone to enter the tomb. This brings us to the news of the resurrection. Miraculously, the women didn't have to wonder about that. When they arrived at the place Jesus was buried, they found the stone removed. There is a close connection we get to unpack as it relates to the stone. Not only was the stone moved and rolled away, but also the tomb was empty. Jesus' body was no longer there. In Luke's gospel, right after the women find that the stone was no longer in its original place, they went into the tomb and fully verify it was empty. No trace of Jesus' body. We don't read anywhere in the gospels that the animals slid in there and devoured his body or anything of that nature. In Luke chapter 24 verse 2, it says there is no trace. You can about imagine how unexpected this was. It makes you wonder, were they in a state of shock? Were they questioning what happened? Where is Jesus? In fact, in John's gospel, there is a description of Mary Magdalene being distraught after she came upon the scene of the stone moved and Jesus' body being gone. And she mistakenly assumed, as I mentioned earlier, that she thought the body was stolen. Since the women didn't know what to make of these miraculous signs, the Lord sent angels to carry the message of the resurrection. At the tomb, the angels delivered the good news, and I quote, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you when he was still in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, that would be people, be crucified, that's what happened on the cross, and on the third day, be raised again. That's the resurrection. This is found in Luke chapter 24, verses 5 through 7. The women followers were the first ones to learn of his resurrection because they found the rolled away stone early on Easter morning. As mentioned previously, this is verifiable evidence of the miracle. He doesn't have a secret resurrection. Anyone could go to the tomb and see that his body once was there and it no longer was. 
for the women who visited the tomb, the moved stone and empty tomb were verifiable evidence of his resurrection. I just love this because the description of the events in the early morning was no doubt included in the message to the disciples when they spread the life-changing news. Luke chapter 24 verses 9 through 11 lets us know that. Because Jesus was so deliberate and intentional to include these details on the day of his resurrection, it shows he wanted people to investigate the truth and know what happened. He wants you to come to him with everything. He desires your obedience, not your perfection. He loves you through it all. So when you are questioning truth, questioning things in the Bible, go to Heavenly Father and inquire. He loves that you want to come to Him. Ask Him. We get to remember, when we examine and discern the evidence of this experience, that's exactly what Peter did when he went to the tomb. As John chapter 20 verse 6 and 7 states, he straw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloths wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying separate from the linen. Specifically, the Greek word saw, translated, means discerning or looking attentively into. Peter was attentively investigating the evidence left in the tomb. People can still do this today examine the evidence Jesus left behind through the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Specifically Luke's Gospel, he really takes the time to gather eyewitness reports, extensive reports. Let's finish before we move on with the significance of the stone. Back in the day, a rolling stone was used to seal a tomb, and although that may not seem very special, it is. Because the stone was rolled away from Christ's place of burial, it left evidence of the empty tomb with no body. And this testifies to the truth of Jesus' resurrection. You could argue this is the most significant and important event in history. Jesus did not try hide his resurrection or keep it a secret. He left evidence for it to be verified and documented. It's so clear. There's absolutely no doubt. We could only look through a little crack and we looked at a certain time of day, the shadows. No, none of that. It was clear that this miraculous event happened called Jesus' resurrection. Today, people can still read of the events, explore the evidence, and know that he is in fact risen. Jesus' death paid the penalty for our sin. Again, you'll hear me using language like gave up his life to purchase our life. Jesus' death paid the penalty for our sin. This is the real cost conversation. It cost Jesus everything. It cost him his life. And I encourage you, as we are looking at this through the lens of love and how Jesus is love, and therefore he exemplifies love in all that he does, it reminds us that we have the opportunity 
to do that in our day-to-day life as well. We know that we are sinners and we will do sinful things. That does not mean, however, that we don't try to do better. That doesn't mean that we don't pursue living a life that is more in alignment with Jesus every single day than the day prior. I really want to encourage you here and remind you, because Jesus dying means the cost of our freedom was paid so that we would no longer have to bear God's wrath, I want you to really think about that and think about the gift you have been given. And are you stewarding that gift well? His resurrection raises us to walk in his righteousness. This is what we were just talking about. We are sinful, but also we know that we are called to a higher standard. And so just because you know your nature is sinful, that doesn't mean that you settle and accept that being sinful is okay. We are raised up to walk in righteousness, to be in right standing with God. And we do this so we can have a relationship with God. He doesn't ask us to be righteous and and do all the right things just so that he can say, I have obedient children. No, this is how we have a relationship with God. The most fruitful relationship we could ever imagine Remember, his resurrection clothes us with his righteousness. So we have the privilege to enjoy a loving relationship with our Father. Just imagine that. Envision the most beautiful, luxurious coat you could ever imagine. And now think of that as being his resurrection. His resurrection clothes us with his righteousness. We are covered with his righteousness. And this gives us the privilege to enjoy our loving relationship with the Father. So many people think of God as this just ruler over his children, over his people. He is just. He is the Lord of Lords. But first, he is our Father. Our Father in heaven. And through salvation in Jesus, God looks on us as he looks on Christ. He looks with an intimate and familial love. We are his family. We are adopted sons and daughters into his kingdom. And that familial love is a love for which Jesus' death and resurrection was necessary to be made complete. When we are reminded that Jesus gave up his life to purchase ours. It is an incredible reminder that he gave all so we could have freedom from experiencing God's wrath, which we totally deserve. When you are walking through your days, especially those days in motherhood where you are tired, you are overwhelmed, you may be feeling a bit anxious, Please know that is not your portion. Jesus gave up his very life to purchase ours. The least we can do is show up every single day, knowing there are new mercies every single day, rededicating our life to him. And one way I like to do that as an act of obedience is even before my feet hit the ground, 
when I open my eyes in the morning and I take a deep breath is to truly surrender my day to the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, I surrender the day to you. And then I ask God, how may I be of service today? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the resurrection and the reunion with you, God. Resurrection and reunion are and are. This is how we can rest and be restored, God, because you rescued us and released us from an experience that we rightfully could experience every single day. So we thank you for your sacrifice, God. Heavenly Father, I just pray over every single person listening to this that they would be confident and excited about surrendering themselves in the day to you every single day as they rise up and go out into the world being a humble servant of yours, God, representing you well. And doing that is a way to give you thanks for what you sacrificed for us, for your son giving up his life to purchase ours, for your son's death paying the penalty for our sin. We thank you for all that you are. In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, Mama, one quick thing before you go. If this podcast blessed you in some way, the number one way you can pay it forward is to head over to iTunes, Treasured Mama Podcast, and leave a review and subscribe to the channel. 